We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start. Start winning. Hello. We're on to Cincinnati. You play to win the game. It was all that Dan Marino's fault. Everyone knows that. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Rockpile Report, AFC East Roundup, hosted by Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear, a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the AFC East Roundup Podcast. I'm your host, Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger, and this is your Week 15 AFC East Roundup. Now, before we get into the standings, there's one piece of business. You know, it, the holiday's right around the corner, and... There's something, so earlier in the week we talked about uh, uh, how friends from out of town, uh, yeah, Yuleberg and his wife came into town, they came bearing gifts, we all had a good time. Well, you didn't get left out, Chris. He brought you a little something for your Christmas stocking, too. I can only imagine what this is, that you're reaching under the table. To grab something. It's a pistol. I just shoot you in the leg. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, a la the uh, that Chappelle show sketch, World Series of Dice. Yep. Oh, he shot him below the waist. It's an, a non-felony. <laughs> so it's not. A t- so that it's not attempted murder. <laughs> now, what I hold in my hand is uh, what, according to him, is the finest mayonnaise made anywhere on God's green earth. Duke's mayo. Yeah, have you not had Duke's? I have never dabbled in the Duke's mayonnaise, sir. Neither have I. Jessica has it, though. She's like, you can't get it anywhere except off of Amazon here in Buffalo. But apparently there's a place called Gabe's. Okay. They have it there. Gabe's is like a worse than Marshall's, if you can imagine that. 
Like, just imagine the people that go into Marshalls. Okay. It's, like, worse than that. Me. Like, me included. So this is... Folks, I'm not a fashionable man. Uh, I'm not a... Uh, I well, mean, Mar- Chris is our resident fashionista, but... Well, no. Marshalls is, like, like uh, all-in-one. Like, they have, like, f- a couple of aisles of food. Like, weird food. Okay. And you can buy, like... like People that go to Gabe's are people that uh, their stomach hangs out the bottom of their shirt. So now here's the question: What's the first thing you're going to do with that? What what's what's the thing that you would be most likely to make using mayonnaise? I'm assuming it's a sandwich, right? It'd be a turkey and Swiss. Turkey and Swiss. Yes. Bacon or no? If I have time to make bacon, I'll make bacon. But you know what you should do is make. The bacon. Uh, yeah, I can make the bacon. Put the bacon on a turkey with Swiss. If that mayo is half as good as people talk about it, Chris, I someone will call the police on you. you. You'd be enjoying that too much. They would have had the only times I've seen people enjoy things that sound as good as that is. They all had the, the it, like it has to be legal. Yeah, I'm, I would. I my girlfriend has Dukes, but I've never. I don't think I've had it. I've had it on French fries. But I don't think that counts as having it. Isn't that a Canadian thing or a French-Canadian thing? I don't know. Call in if you know. But no, Chris, Merry Christmas from the Yulebergs. I like it. (laughs) Duke's Real Mayonnaise, smooth and creamy. Family recipe since 1917. (sighs) If that isn't from the South, I don't know what is. So looking at the standings, a certain somebody is heading south. That's right, folks. The New England Patriots win streak has finally come to a pretty unceremonious end in Indy this weekend. They remained one game ahead in the division, but it was deflating enough of a loss that Bill Belichick got so salty with the media after the game that he felt it necessary to apologize the following day. First, let me pull out the world's smallest violin and play you the saddest song ever written, Bill Belichick. But also... Chris, he's a Bill, like a Papa, like a Popovich kind of a character. Where I mean, Greg Popovich just abuses the media, and they all kind of know it's coming. He's never apologized. What you know that like Bill Belichick apologizing that had to his feelings really genuinely had to be hurt that day when he snapped on the media members. I don't know why he apologized. Like that's not that's not him. I mean, I don't think it should be anybody. I don't apologize for most things. It's like I tell my wife all the time. I'm not going to tell you I'm sorry for something that I'm just going to do again. I'll, apolog- I'll say I'm sorry when I genuinely mean it. Meanwhile, the Buffalo Bills, sitting at 8-6, and six, just a game back, they won, and in doing so gave themselves a shot at self-sufficiency, heading towards the NFL playoffs in what is a packed AFC's, or AFC bracket. Miami, the Dolphins took over for the Patriots as holding the longest active win streak in the NFL, and in doing so, kept their slim playoff hopes alive. And then you got the Jets. The Jets, by virtue of the Lions' obsession with fighting hard to win meaningless games and, uh, to what, kneecap biting, and I think the one day he, he, he almost, their head coach almost made a loose reference to doing cocaine. I at the podium. I can't make this stuff up. They keep improving their draft stock, but this week might be different than so many of the shows where we just get together and collectively dunk on Gang Green because they actually showed some fight this weekend, and that's where we start this entire podcast. So we're here with Scott Mason talking about the Jets, who lost 
lost 31 to 24 to the Dolphins. Watching the game, Scott, with a fellow fan just in the stands, he had the game streaming on his phone. I was shocked to see that the Jets were threatening, even into the late fourth quarter, to steal a victory from the Dolphins. Was this maybe one of the best losses of the season? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's funny because the narrative coming out of the game from a lot of the reporters was Zach Wilson chokes or whatever, but I thought this was actually mostly a good game for Wilson considering the fact that the offensive line in the second half just pretty much gave up. You had the Miami Dolphins running rough shot with all the blitzes because the thing that was interesting going into this game was, and you're a numbers guy, Drew, so you'll appreciate this, Zach Wilson has the worst quarterback rating in the league against the Blitz, and Brian Flores likes to Blitz more than any other coach in the league. So you put those two things together. Now, the first half, the Jets did a decent job of clamping down. The second half, the Dolphins ran wild in that regard. But yet, Wilson still made some really nice plays, and more to the point, when he could have made back-breaking mistakes that would have put the game out of reach, he didn't. And you've you got to give him credit for that because in previous games, he certainly would have been pressured into making some really, really bad throws. And he wasn't perfect or anything like that, but I thought this was a nice sign of maturity in his development. And the other, the other thing, of course, is uh, Quinn and Williams comes out in the third quarter and the Dolphins just ran all over the Jets. Duke Johnson, the ghost of Duke Johnson, uh, came back from the grave and had over 100 yards. First time the Dolphins have had over 100 yards in a game since last December. We've talked about this a bunch of times. The Bills, every other team in the league has just destroyed the Jets running the ball. So that's really what happened. But like you said, they were competitive the whole way. I mean, Brandon Eccles had a pick six with about seven minutes to go, and the Jets were right there with the Dolphins. So, yeah, I mean, look, I didn't really care if they won this game because they going into this thing, they were 3-10, and ten, and they had no chance to go anywhere. So I just wanted to see Wilson play well. He wasn't amazing, but like I said, I thought he took some strides. And, and I thought the corners played pretty well. They gave two a lot of problems. He had that one really nice pass downfield to Devontae Parker. But other than that, it was kind of, well, dink and dunks. And he threw two picks, and he threw a couple of others that could have been picks. So overall, I thought uh, the, the, there were aspects of this game that went well for the Jets. Uh, they ran the ball well early on, too. Tevin Coleman had eight carries for 50 yards. So, yeah, I mean, look, I hate to say this because it sounds like such a loser mentality, but the way you said it was actually well said. The Jets got a reasonably satisfying loss here in the sense that I thought there were enough areas where you could look at with the arrow pointing up and be happy about it. Uh, I as I said, didn't really care whether they won or lost, so I wasn't really <laughs> upset that they lost this one with but seven and a half prob- to go because the were, game doesn't mean anything. But you were probably encouraged by some of the things that you saw. I mean, Chris, if I had yeah. told you, again, we, we always go back to this, if I would bet you a paycheck pregame, one whole paycheck, that the Jets would be winning 17-7 to at any point in this game, would you have taken it? Well, I did have it in uh, my parlay. Oh! So I was, I was, uh, hell yeah. 
I was Chris was feeling the Jets love. No, I had Miami on the money line. <laughs> it was like one of those. I'll do like two picks that were. I'm like, this is a slam dunk win, and then I'm like, oh my god, the, <laughs> the Jets are ruining me See, over here. For, for the proof that he's the mush. But then, you know, Miami. Put him in the bathroom. Yeah. I don't want him looking at my dice. Yeah, my, Miami it, came through for me, but then Old Dominion fucked me yesterday. So Of course they did, because they're Old Dominion. It's actually a shame that you guys don't have a gambling or sports book sponsor, because this would be the perfect spot for it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because Chris is a degenerate gambler at this point. He's 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 been turned <laughs> loose into the world of sports betting, and every week he's down there putting bets on things he barely understands. No, I understand it. I it's called research. I have the time for it. That's true. You don't have you should children, put, you don't you should, you should put in the amount of time that I do into gambling into parenting. <laughs> yeah. No, you're not kidding. Jack came home. No, he came home from uh, daycare with the first big shiner on his head. And I was like, "What happened?" And they said, "Well, here's what here's what your son did. He got told no. He didn't like that. So then he tried to flip a table that people were sitting at." When he found out that it is a 19-month-old, he's too weak to flip a table, he then sprinted across the room in anger like he was off to go destroy something else and he happened to trip and fall and just hit his head on the corner of the table. He truly is your son. Yeah, no, that's what I said. And my wife's like, wherever could he have ever dreamed up the idea that he could throw furniture when he's angry? And I was like, oh, no, it's, it's just genetic at this point. I've never even done it in front of him. So it's just genetic at this point. But so here's what I see when I look at this game. You guys are winning. I This gets put in front of my eyeballs on Sunday, and I'm blown away by it. Brandon Eccles, like you, you had some some guys in your secondary who were showing a little bit of fight. Let's talk about that. So this was a secondary that at the beginning of the season we said most of these guys are kind of not undrafted free agents, but they're kind of... <laughs> There's no heralded names in that secondary, except for maybe Marcus May. And then he gets hurt, and he goes out, and there's all the friction between him and the franchise. Brandon Eccles goes out and has a great day. Uh, well, what's uh, Ashton Davis has a great day. <sighs> Do you believe that your coach can coach a secondary of moderately talented players? and find a way to get you guys close to victory if everything else is going well. Well, just to correct you a little bit, Ashton Davis had a pick, but I wouldn't exactly call it a great day. He still was Ashton Davis. He's absolutely terrible. Eccles had a nice day. I mean, look, Eccles has been a pretty nice surprise. He's been a passable starting corner. I don't know that he's a guy that you want to be a starting corner for the long haul, but he's definitely done a decent job this year considering – where he was drafted and what the expectations for him were coming into the season. He had a nice game. He and Bryce Hall have been a halfway decent tandem. So for considering that Hall was a fifth-round pick and Eccles was a sixth-round pick, it's not a bad place to be. They still need to make an investment at corner, I believe, and upgrade a little bit, whether that's in the draft or free agency. But considering how much we thought this unit was going to be brutal this year it's been a bit of a nice surprise the safeties have been really bad Marcus May before he got hurt had been struggling for a few games and then the rest of that unit is awful and they've had injuries too so it's weird because we went into the season thinking they'd be 
reasonably decent at safety and really bad at corner, and it's kind of worked out the other way where they've been okay at corner and really bad at safety. So as far as coaching these guys up, look, they still need more talent. They're they're getting by the best they can, but ultimately the defense has still been absolutely horrible. They're, I think, the worst statistic statistical defense in the NFL this year. So they've got to have an infusion of talent. There's no question about it. But I guess considering the level of players they've got due to what they went with on purpose and the injuries that occurred throughout the season – I mean, it's sort of one of those what-did-you-expect type of things. No, that, and that's fair. But so then looking at the Lions beating the uh, Cardinals because their coach is all hopped up on rowdy powder, and <laughs> just, <laughs> I, I mean, he said it, not me. Allegedly hopped. I mean, he, he, he made a comment to like, oh, how much caffeine do you drink, blah, 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 blah. And later on he was like, oh, I play in the snow. And it's like, well, wait a minute. You don't, you don't just say that. That's weird. Either way, Dan Campbell had those guys beat the Cardinals. So now you're below, like, they've surpassed you in terms of where they pick. You guys are kind of working your way down there. You're going to have some premium picks coming up. I've already seen over in Play Like a Jet where you guys are talking about uh, Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, you've talked about some different players. We're like, oh, we could get some impact guys. Do you feel confident after, or at least more confident after a game like this, that maybe with a little bit more talent, this coaching staff with this quarterback could be more of what you saw in the first quarter and the first half than what they were in the second half? There's still some stuff that needs to be ironed out. It's been a roller coaster ride. There are times where you see some promise, and then there are times where you just scratch your head. Uh, what it really boils down to is the Jets have some money to spend and a lot of draft picks, and that's been a familiar tale the last couple of years. Last year, though, they really did have a, a fair amount of high-level uh, high draft picks. This year, they have what will probably end up being two top 10 or 15 picks and four picks overall in the top 40, which they'll have to use in areas to get better. Uh, and Lord knows there's many of those areas that need to be improved. And then they've got money to spend in free agency. But of course, as I always like to tell Jets fans, when you do these shopping lists, you're lucky if you get one, maybe two of the guys that you really want in free agency because you're competing against all these other teams and they've got all these options of places to go. So, look, you can be as good a coach as possible, but if you don't have any talent, you're not going to win. So it's really hard to tell just how good or bad these guys are going to be based on what they're working with now. But like you said, we've seen some signs that, that it could work, and I'm curious to see how it pans out once they've got better talent at some of these positions next year because they're really going to have to make a move. I mean, as I was saying to a friend of mine earlier today, what this really is going to boil down to is, yeah, they're going to have to get surrounding talent and really fix the defense, but Zach Wilson's going to have to make that jump in year two, and if he doesn't, Joe Douglas is going to be in big trouble. And then we'll see what happens with Robert Sala as well. So a lot of it is going to come down to the quarterback. Look, I think we both know this. If Josh Allen turned out to be a dud, Bean and, uh, and McDermott probably would be gone. That's just the reality of the NFL. If you don't have a quarterback that's good enough to put you in playoff contention on a regular basis 
And especially if you pick one as high as the Jets picked one or as high as the Bills picked, uh, picked Allen and traded up to get him, you're, you're betting your job, you're betting your future on that quarterback, so you better get it right. So that's what we'll see. I mean, look, ultimately I think that's a big part of what ran Mike McCagnin out of here is just, you know, he did a terrible job, but also Sam Darnold just wasn't good enough fast enough. So uh, you, you put all those things together – and what I'm saying is, it, it, it's TBD. It could be good. It might. It, it might not. It, it's really hard to be able to tell based on what we've seen because it's been such a mixed bag. Well, this week you guys are favored for the first time in a long time. <laughs> uh, you're favored against the Jaguars. Do you believe that you should be? Yeah, I think so. Just because they're the home team, I think whoever the home team in this game is should be the favorite. If it was in Jacksonville. I'd have said the Jaguars should have been a slight favorite. It's just you got two bad teams, and one team's got the home field. If one anything, team just fired their I head coach. The Jaguars. One team just just fired their head coach. I right. want you guys to go down there and do me a favor. Can you please pull the? I know it hurts your draft stock, but can you can you please go pull this one out? <laughs> Well, listen, that's up to the players. No, I mean, look, that that's what I was going to say. The reason why I would have said the Jaguars should have been a much slighter – I would have said Jaguars maybe minus a half a point in ja- if it was in Jacksonville is because the Jaguars are in such disarray right now. But here's what you got to keep in mind. The one thing that the Jaguars have that if they're smart, they will use and use as much as they can is James Robinson. James Robinson's one of the better running backs in the league. And the Jets have been absolutely horrific in run defense. They're 32nd in the NFL. So if I'm the Jaguars, I just basically run James Robinson and dare you to stop him. And then if you overcommit to James Robinson, then maybe you can see Trevor Lawrence do some, some positive things with LaVisca Chenault and Marvin Jones. But that's really what it's going to come down to, I think. If Zach Wilson avoids big mistakes – and the Jets are able to find a way to at least limit James Robinson, I think they'll probably win the game. But if James Robinson is able to do anything close to what we saw from Duke Johnson last week, it could be a bit of a mess. So, yeah, I mean, I'd like to tell you that the Jets are definitely going to win this thing. But, look, (laughs) if they give up 200 yards rushing or more like they've been doing, anything's possible if we're keeping it real. That's fair. What do you have coming up over at Play Like a Jet, and where can everybody find you on social? We had some fun stuff coming up. Uh, I think I told you at the beginning of this episode, or at the beginning of my appearance on this episode, that a lot of people were talking about Zach Wilson's performance and putting it in a somewhat negative light. The Thunder from Down Under, Luke Grant, who does the film breakdowns on the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel, he did a really good one on Wilson's game and pushed back against the narrative, basically saying that Wilson, all told, took a nice step forward. So that video is up on our YouTube channel. We've got some great episodes coming this week. We did a Know Your Foe episode, which you, you remember, Drew, you were on the show to do that when the Bills were coming into town. We, we talked about the Jaguars, and yes, it's the typical dissection of the other team, from their point of view, but also we got into all the craziness that's been going on in Jacksonville. Talk a little Trevor Lawrence. So that was a lot of fun. We're going to, we're going to do the usual stuff too. We've got, uh, 
the uh, the pregame report coming up over the weekend where we'll we'll have a lot of gambling type stuff, uh, prop bets, the line over under, uh, picks from around the league, all that, and last minute news and injuries and and all those things to get you ready for the game on Sunday. We'll have that up around midnight on Sunday. Luke Grant will be on the show to talk about that film breakdown that he has up at playlikeajet.com. We're all, we've also got uh, midweek news and notes, the very big deal, Chris Nimbley. He's going to break down some of the things we heard about, including what broke today as we record this, which is that the Jets' first-round pick, their second first-round pick, Elijah Vera Tucker, is in COVID protocols, as is Michael Carter II, the team's starting slot corner, who is their fifth rounder out of Duke. So they might be shorthanded against Jacksonville. It just seems to be the way things are going right now that half the world is in Corona protocols. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. We, we've, like I said, we've got the, the channel on YouTube. If you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead and do that. You can listen to the podcast via Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And Drew, you know that it's Christmas time, so I just want to say to you and Chris, have a merry, merry Christmas. And I hope that you get visited by WWE's official Santa Claus, Mick Foley. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Dolphins won their game 31-24 against the Jets. Oh, God. I love when it ramps up. They stay on a heater. And here to talk to us about it is Elf Artiaga from 3 Yards Per Carry. How are you? Speaking. That's how I am. (laughs) I love... I love the fact that you guys won just an ugly game. I'm not going to lie to you. I was in the stands watching it on somebody's phone going, there's no way the Dolphins are going to drop this one, right? <laughs> tell me that there wasn't yeah, a lot. Yeah, it was, it was ugly. There were, there, tell me that when you guys were down 17-7, there wasn't a little bit of doubt. Did the doubt ever start to creep in in your mind? Uh, no, because I saw that Zach Wilson was still upright and was still the quarterback for <laughs> for the next series. After that, uh, I don't know if you saw if you guys saw the beginning of this game. 
This was the most entertaining first 10 minutes of a Jets game, I think, in history. They were running laterals on third down. They ran the most interesting third and 14 play I have ever seen. I don't know if you saw it. They completed a pass to Jamison Crowder. Jamison Crowder threw it across the field to Braxton Berrios, who then reversed field and gained another eight yards to convert third and 14. So they treated and this they like did, a Super Bowl. And they Bowl. did that in the first... And they did that in the first five minutes of the game. Okay? Jesus Christ. So, yeah, so, we yeah, mentioned uh, it with uh, a lot of with, credit to them. We mentioned it with Scott. I had Dolphins on the money line in this game. I was sweating it out, but uh, part of my parlay. But then that all got ruined yesterday by Old Dominion. That's just for betting Old Dominion. They're on a win streak. You don't want. You don't pay attention to college football to, Elf, to know would you anything. Bet Old Dominion. They were on a winning streak. I don't know any. See, I don't know anything about Old Dominion, so I would not bet Old Dominion. Chris, do you know anything about Old Dominion? Yeah, they're on a five-game win streak ever since they made a change at quarterback. Okay, so these Tulsa, are all things you heard on the Action Network. Tulsa was, is garbage. <laughs> so, so you're Tulsa just, cannot be trusted. Okay, so you're just regurgitating things you heard on a podcast and then put money on and then lost. Yeah, and you research it yourself, Dang. which you're not that good at researching college football. No, of course not. All I know is my, I'm, a fan, I'm a fan of Alabama and they win. That's what I know. That's my research. Woo! Yeah, Roll Tide. From somebody that probably didn't think that they were going to win the SEC title game. No, did not the think worst, they were. The worst thing you could do is, is research anything. Last night, I remember being uh, pretty bored as I was, you know, I was perused. I was re-watching uh, some, some games over the weekend. I actually watched your game. And then <laughs> I was pretty bored with the proceedings. And I decided, you know what, just for fun, let me play all these games. And this is last night. So I took Minnesota and the under, and I took uh, what was that, that that other piece of garbage game that was on? Oh, the Raiders. Uh, Raiders yes, I took the, I took uh, Cleveland, and this one I had to sweat. I took Cleveland and the under in that one as well. Cleveland was getting three points. They ended up losing by two, so I squeaked that one out. Under comes in nice and fat. Then the Minnesota game goes right down to the wire for <laughs> Minnesota to cover that seven. They ended up covering the seven. Thank God I had forgotten the rule that they couldn't try the extra point because I thought they were going to try the, a two-point conversion just to spite me. And I ended up hitting the four, the four-play parlay. Wow. My problem was I bet $20. <laughs> Could you like, this is a throwaway. I'll only bet 20 So I ended up winning 246 which is not bad, right? <sighs> it's not so but bad. Had I bet. Had I bet my regular fifty on a par on that four play parlay, we're talking about a six hundred and eighty dollar winner. <sighs> Chris can only dream of those kind of things. I've won those. <sighs> Have I, you won those? I, I envy you guys because I've flown to. I was Icarus. I flew too close to the sun. I, I flew too close to the sun. My wings melted and I crashed back to Earth. Almost got my knees broken. It was a it was a crazy experience. But so, when I look at this Dolphins win against the Jets, Duke Johnson, Duke, like, like the ghost of Duke Johnson showed up and we all laughed at it. And then he had 104 yards and might have been visually the most aggressive running back on the field. Where is, what does that do to, for Dolphins fans? Like now you, well, you gotta, under, no, you gotta no. understand who Duke Johnson is, by the way, down here. Okay. Yeah, you, you understand he is the all-time leading rusher at the University of Miami. Yes. Okay, he's the all-time leading rusher in the University of Miami. This is a school that had Clinton Portis, Edgerin James, Willis McGahee. Okay, 
uh, Melvin Branton. We're talking about a lot of great running backs, Lamar Miller. All right. And this guy was the leading rusher. He was an absolute hero down here for the University of Miami. He's a high school legend, played at Norland. The guy is royalty. Okay. Shows up. He was, he's been on our practice squad for like six weeks. Yeah. Shows up on Sunday. They make him RB1. And in his first real action, because he got two carries against the Jets two weeks ago, but that was because it was in garbage time against the Jets that he got two carries. So his first real action, and he was spectacular. You, you, you also forget, uh, he had a 37-yard run called back. So this could have been a lot, a lot better than it was. So, yeah, the crowd was chanting Duke and Duke. And every- <laughs> It was it was a magical moment. It really was. That's see, that's pretty cool. I like that. The dude comes home and goes, "All right, I'm going to go nuts in front of my hometown team because he still has some juice, and he just needed maybe maybe just took the emotional investment to find it." That's I, I like stories like that about football. Like that's one of the things I love about this game. One of the things I don't love about this game is that you guys allowed the Jets to score 17 points, which is their most since Week Nine. Uh, what happened on defense? Like what, what, what? Early? Let's talk about early. So I know they played a lot of trickeration. They were throwing laterals. They were. Did they just kitchen sink you guys and you weren't ready for it? Yes. Uh, okay. The game started and the team was obviously just sleepwalking. Okay. Because like, they're you playing tell, the like, Jets. They were completely disinterested. Because <laughs> they're playing the Jets. Yeah. Yeah, they were completely sleepwalking. And you could tell that, you know, I'm like, okay, are you guys going to start playing football like anytime soon? Like, that'd be a good thing. Uh, Tua was missing wide open people in the middle of the field. And, and you're thinking, okay, what the hell is going on here? Nobody is playing well. And uh, Xavier Howard made a business decision to not hit Braxton Berrios, who weighs like 175 pounds. Which, which is a very weird thing to see at the goal line because he makes that hit. They, you know, we stop him right there, right at the goal line. But he kind of glances, you know, kind of gives him a, a half hearted push and Barrio scores. And then it really was just a kitchen sink. Like they threw everything at us. I'm telling you, that lateral play was absolutely ridiculous. And then they ran another one that was very similar. Chris, can we do okay. that against New England this weekend? Just start lateraling out of nowhere. Yeah, that would be a good idea. Who could ladder? Get him! Miami's pretty. Miami's pretty good at doing the the whole lateral thing against New England. Yeah, no, we've seen it. Yes. <laughs> no, it's it's just funny so, to me that they. Next they... thing we know, we're down we're down ten nothing when we start playing football, <laughs> and you know it's seventeen ten. But you know, to their credit, in the second half, they allowed thirty five yards to the Jets. They allowed two first downs, and they were all in garbage time, and no points. Only, you know, Tua did have a pretty boneheaded pass that got intercepted and taken back. Yeah. But then he got the he got the ensuing kickoff and drove us right down the field, and we took the lead for good, and that was the game. Well, that's and, – and that's what we were watching in the seats was this whole thing of – I'm like, okay, it's 17, whatever. Oh, shit, a pick six. Oh, this is a game. Oh my God! What are they going to do? And luckily, you guys had the fortitude and composure to pull it out. So now I'm looking at this game and I'm saying to myself, "Okay, what's gone right for you guys in order to steady the ship like that? 
One of the things that I've seen, and I saw you tweeting about it earlier, and I'm sure you're talking about over three yards per carry, this offensive line finally starting to play like a real offensive line. Yep. It's uh, it's not it's no longer embarrassing. It's just merely not good, which is a massive improvement over where they were, especially Liam Eikenberg, who's played three consecutive clean games. And Austin Jackson, who's shown kind of a mean streak, I guess moving him out of left tackle and having to deal with the cerebral part of the game and just asking him to be physical has kind of, you know, the light bulb has come on for Austin Jackson. And you kind of see where this can go in a positive direction. And we might have found a left guard. The problem is we took that left guard 18th overall in the first round. That's, that's usually not good. But if we can salvage a pretty decent left guard going forward, I guess you got to take it, right? No, you got to take what you can get. I mean, listen, as a Buffalo Bills fan, Chris, we took a uh, a bench guard, a bench guy who can't play center but can only play some guard position, and we took him, we traded up for him in the second round. So it's one of them things, man. <laughs> it's just one of those things. Where when you, it, listen, if, if he brings you any value at all, you should be you should be thrilled to have it. So when I look at this, two obviously playing a nice game, still developing. There's still people mad that he's not farther along. If you had anything to say to these people who continue to deride this kid, even though what Chris the streak, the streak. Like if you had to pick a a character in Major League and figure out which one is Tua, who would he be? Oh my God. Um. Might be Rube Baker. Okay. So <laughs> you're talking about Rube Baker. He's your guy. Like he's this guy who's kind of driving the train, but he's not getting a lot of credit for it. What what would you say to everybody out there who's still out there doubting this kid? Uh watch the games and I've already said this a, a few times. Uh, you know, it, the guy will walk across the stage in Canton fifteen years from now. And somebody will have an excuse for how he got there. Okay. Because the following day, they finished winning this game and he didn't play his best game. I thought he, I thought he played poorly. And a lot of Dolphin fans, and I'm not going to argue with them. I think that there's a good argument to be made that this was his worst game as a Dolphin. Period. Okay. Although I would argue last year against Denver, he, he was just flat out incompetent against Denver, but against Denver, you know, he did have a touchdown and one pick. So he was one touchdown, one pick. It was just, you know, he was wildly inaccurate. He was missing people. In this game, he was just bad to start the game. But then he finished strongly, and he won the game. So if – and Chris Kaufman in, on, on our podcast said it best. If this is the, as bad as it gets, then we really have something. But, you know, you got to wonder if there's something worse out there. But the following day, I was having people saying, okay, if he wins out, he stays. If he loses one game the rest of the way – you got to go out and get somebody else. And I asked this person, okay, if that happens, if he wins out, that means he would have gone 15 and six yeah. the first two years in the NFL. If he loses one game the rest of the way, he would have gone 14 and seven. So you mean to tell me 15 and six, he stays 14 and seven. We got to get him the hell out of here. Uh, no, uh, just pay attention. Watch the guy. He's developing. He's obviously learning because there's still things that kind of confuse him. So he hasn't beaten the Bills yet. 
So he has a long way to go still. But, you know, Arrow up, and he's developing nicely. And the Dolphins are winning. I don't know what there is to complain about. You guys are three-and-a-half-point favorites against the Saints. Do you agree or disagree with the spread? Do you feel like it should be more? Uh, no, I think that's just fine. you got to understand this. the Saints' defense is pretty damn good. You saw what they just did to Brady, although they always do that to the Bucks for whatever reason. So this shouldn't be a pretty game coming here on, coming up here on, on Monday. Um, uh, I think the Dolphins just got to you know just stay in their lane, don't turn it over, play their game, and that should be good enough. Our defense should be able to hold down Taysom Hill. But this should not be a pretty game. Like, this should be pretty ugly by NFL standards. <laughs> well, I'm not going to lie. I don't want to see anything nice happen to you because now you're you're at the point. Like, it was funny earlier in the year. Now you're sniffing at our heels, and if we lose this one this week, then you're right there. Well, you the can't step. No, well, that's it. And how much does this impact you guys? A lot. Okay. <laughs> Bills Bills beat the Patriots, and this is from the New York Times. And if the New York Times says it has to be true, right? So they say if the Bills beat the Patriots and the Dolphins went out, Dolphins are in the playoffs 98% of the scenarios. Now, if the Patriots beat the Bills, Dolphins are in in 58% of the scenarios. I like 98 better than I like 58 <laughs> And that's obviously because if the Bills get busted down to the wildcard group, you guys beat us twice. So obviously now we got to contend with that albatross. So you'd, so in the you'd rather have us beat – I get it. I get it now. You'd rather have us in there because then that pushes down a team that you have an advantage over. Look at this, Chris. I'm yes. learning. I'm finally understanding what Elf's been railing about for all these weeks. Ah, Elf – and by the way, I am betting the Bills big this, this <laughs> Sunday. I don't need a wheelbarrow to bring in all this money. Uh, there's no way you guys can get swept by this team. Just no way. You saw them play against against the Colts. Yeah. <sighs> it's a shame that Beasley's not going to play. I was counting on him. I know, but Emmanuel Sanders should be should be back, right? Is he uh, back? Even if he's not, I think we have enough weapons to get this done. Josh Allen, yeah, Dawson Knox, Gabriel Davis. Gabriel Davis, Gabriel yeah, Davis has up. shown what he can do over the last two weeks. Like, that's it. Anyone who's not paying attention, I don't know why we've marginalized him until the last minute when it was like a dire need. Like, oh, multiple people had to go out and be hurt in order for you to pay attention to this kid. Oh, wait a minute. He's the most explosive wide receiver we have right now. Because he's the one defenses aren't looking at. <laughs> and even when they do, they're only putting one on him. And that's clearly not enough. It's going to be crazy. Hopefully it works out the way you boys want it. Where can people find you, Elf, because you're a hilarious follow? And where can they follow Three Arts Per Carry and find your pod? Uh, you can follow me at Alf underscore Artiaga on Twitter and our podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast, Spotify, iTunes, wherever. Like, we're everywhere. You can't, you can't miss us. The number three yards per carry on Twitter. It's also the number three yards per carry. And that brings us to the Buffalo Bills, who beat the Carolina Panthers 31-14. to If you haven't listened to it, go check out our recap podcast. Um, we talked a little bit about just some of the things that came out of this game that I think should give you hope for the future. If you want to believe that this f- team can find its footing again towards being... I don't even know what you want to call it, Chris. 
this year they've kind of looked like they've been sleepwalking through large portions of the season compared to what they showed us last year, right? Yes. I mean, and it's it's bizarre to me that a team could be that Jekyll and Hyde from one season to the next just based on some defensive coordinators picking up some of your offensive tendencies. I, maybe it's construction. But again, we saw players who had previously been marginalized kind of step to the forefront in this one and remind everybody, hey, I'm here. And now... I almost feel like at this point, if they don't take advantage, Chris, because our depth really did show up in this game, some of our least talked about players were the ones making the splash plays for us that ultimately turned the tide and won us the day. It would be it would be criminal of the coaching staff to not find a way to harness just a, even a little bit of that on a on a week to week basis going forward, right? Yeah. It's 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 a hell of a thing. And, you know, obviously, this weekend, huge matchup. You know, we have the Patriots coming up. We did our preview show with Joe Miller. We also uh, aired our Festivus Grievances, which was a lot of fun. Annual, seventh annual. Because we've been doing this for seven. It's the seventh Festivus we've celebrated. It was started in 2015. It's crazy. I know. Gets better. Every, it seems like it gets longer every year. What, the year? No, the the grievances, even <laughs> though we're winning. Well, I mean, Chris, how many of our listeners, when you think about what our fan, what our personal fan base is comprised of, would it shock you to find out that most of those people kind of are a lot like me personally? Yeah. They will probably drink more than they should. Or, and, uh, or feel like you on the inside. Yeah, they just don't say it. Yeah. You know, the type of person who maybe they don't drink more than they should at every family event, but deep down they want to. Um you know, they're the kind of person that when they're at a bar and something bad happens on the you know, at the Bills game, they want to flip their bar stool, but they don't because they have more common sense than that. I think that that's our base, Chris. It is. <laughs> oh, it's hysterical. But no, so I really do think that there's something here, and this week's matchup is pretty much going to tell us the story of whether our coaching staff is up to the task or not. But when we look around, even if the Buffalo Bills were to not emerge victorious from this, hell, even if they do, there's still enough going on around the the conference that we can kind of pay attention to and also that holds some gravity towards our situation. So as we do every week, this is your Week 16 AFC Scenarios and Rooting Interests. And in, in the NFC, the Packers have already clinched their division, but in the AFC, there is literally nothing settled. I almost feel like things are getting more chaotic by the week. Yeah, nobody's running away with the conference. No, no, not just the conference, not even their own divisions. Look, Cleveland. Can we agree that Cleveland kind of sucks? Yeah, well, they're injury I... prone. Their quarterback is under underachieving. Their skill players that you know everyone thought they they were a preseason darling because everyone looked and said, "Well, they have Odell Beckham." They have Landry. They have Landry. They Hunt. have Joku. They have Hunt. They have this. Their skill players are excellent. There's no reason they shouldn't be a shoe in. You know, they lost in the divisional round. They have to improve. Instead, they imploded. Ended up having to trade Odell Beckham because shocker to I don't know anybody who's ever. Would it surprise you if I told you that Odell Beckham would become a, a problem for your locker room if your team wasn't doing well and he wasn't involved? Yeah, I think the Odell thing is just he didn't just, just he didn't get along. Mm-hmm. It's all it about was, buy-in. Was, when you trade for a player, well, one it, of the things you have to know is is this a guy? I mean, it think was, about when the Bills it was fit. 
The he way, didn't fit. Think about the Bills when they acquired Stephon Diggs. Okay, that was a fit. Everybody said that he was a problem, that he was a diva, that he he was you know he was childish. Every epitaph you want to throw in there. It turns out he just needed a good quarterback. Well, a good quarterback and a good coach. Because he showed up here, and all of a sudden you see him mentoring younger players, and you see him doing all these things that he wasn't doing in Minnesota. He wants to. Be, he bought in and wanted to become part of what this is. But Josh Allen plays a huge role in that. He OD, ODB on the other hand, ODB. <laughs> shimmy, shimmy, y'all, yeah, shimmy. OBJ, OBJ. He goes to Cleveland. Ends up with a quarterback who every year is disappointing everybody. It, you hear tell that he's maybe not that great of a leader. A head coaching situation that, like, okay, this coach was great last year, and now the team is still mediocre. I, I don't know what it'd to be, do with it'd that. It would be the same thing I said earlier this year about the Bills. Like, you haven't had success in a while. How do you handle it when you get it? Yeah. And I think if Cleveland won... Monday against the Raiders, they would have been in first. Well, that's how that's how stupid this whole conversation. And now they're is. in last because they lost. Yes, that's how crazy these division races in the AFC have gotten. A Cleveland win would have put them in first place in the AFC North and made them the third different team to hold that distinction in just the last six weeks. In six weeks, three different teams have been leading a division in the NFL. That sounds a little crazy, doesn't it? Yeah. The AFC West has the team that looks to be a shoe in to finish with the first round bye. But beyond that, no one in their division is promised anything. And yet they're all right in the thick of things with no team having fewer than seven wins. There, it would take a lot of heavy lifting, but I was playing around with the New York Times uh, playoff simulator. There are a couple different scenarios that exist where all four teams from the AFC West make the playoffs right now. The, the AFC South can't say that. The AFC East can't say that. Just the AFC West. That's wild. And, it's insane. And then, well, obviously our upcoming matchup with New England is going to kind of set the tone for what remains of our season. It never hurts to get a little help before you actually need it. These are some of the outcomes this weekend that we as Bills fans are probably going to be looking at and pushing for. First of all, Packers over the Browns. I think any time a team in the like on the cusp of the playoff race here loses to a non-conference opponent, that's a good thing for everybody, right? Yeah, but well, it's a standalone game on Christmas Day. I like it. <sighs> Christmas Day football. Does it bother you? No. It bothers me. I love football. I, I the football is a huge part of my Thanksgiving tradition because it's like Thanksgiving. That's that's what the day is. The day is stuffing your face, drinking too much whiskey, and watching football. Christmas? I don't know. It's the same. Th- at least for me, it's the same thing. It's stuffing your face with all of the airplane bottles you got in your stocking, <sighs> eating, and then watching football if it's available. I don't know. It just it feels like you know how I, I get mad about uh, Christmas encroaching on uh, Thanksgiving. Yeah. I feel the same way about the NFL encroaching on my Christmas morning. It's one of the three days a year. But there's no football on Christmas morning. Christmas is one of the three days a year that I am guaranteed, guaranteed, I, I hit right hand to God, guaranteed to not be a c- Every other day, everything else that I have, it's a problem. It's a crapshoot on any holidays to whether or not I'm civil. It's, uh, 
and it's tough, right? But I don't care about any of them. It's Thanksgiving. It's Christmas. Um, I, I don't even know if there's a third one. I don't, I don't know. Maybe opening day, the very first Sunday of NFL football. Yeah. I'm like a kid on Christmas and it's great and it's fun and I'm just in a great mood all day. Even if we you know, at least un, I don't, talk to me at 415 and tell me how the bills did. I can tell you how I feel then, but going, at least going into it, I spend most of the day in what's an unshakable good mood. I don't need football encroaching on that on a day that's supposed to be just for me being the best version of myself I possibly can be. <laughs> I wish we would have we could have got a Christmas Day game. I mean, kickoff's not till four twenty because there's a late afternoon and an evening game. You think I could handle watching that with my family? Yes, I'd ruin their Christmas. They'd be calling me the Grinch. Don't you do that already? No, that's what I'm telling you. It's weird. You know me. I ruin things. Not Christmas. Christmas is sacred. Although there are the times when me and my brothers do fist fight. Although I think my family is literally, they, it's like four Christmases. We, we rumble in the kitchen and, you know, after a couple cocktails. And then my brother fixes my glasses while I make everybody fresh drinks and we all go out into the living room and play White Elephant. My mom takes pictures. And the last time it happened was before my wife had even, we were even engaged. And she saw it with horror. Yet, no, she was shocked that no one else in the room was surprised. Because I think that they've just grown to accept that as like, if this is the only thing that goes wrong on Christmas, that's a win for everybody. And what we need is a win for the Packers over the Browns. Because the Browns are one of those teams that have some obscure tiebreakers over Buffalo that had they won, they would have pushed the Ravens down and shoved us out of the playoff bracket completely. I mean, we can't have that. So we need whatever AFC North losses we can get. Chiefs over the Steelers. I I look at this and I say, okay, I hate the Chiefs. And Chris, if you firmly believe that the Bills could win against New England, then wouldn't you want to be one game back of the number one seed? Yeah. Okay. But also, if that can't happen... <laughs> It's probably unlikely that we can catch KC in the standings. So another victory over a team that holds a head-to-head tiebreaker with us in the wild card isn't a bad thing. The Steelers, if they catch up to our record, will leapfrog us based on the most basic of tiebreakers, which is they beat us earlier in the season. Remember those podcasts? Remember talking about how this is going to be one of those things that we turn around and look back at later on in the season and go... Between that and the Jacksonville loss, and just go well, shit. Yeah, well, now you're now you're looking at the scenario where all of a sudden it matters, because you're one game ahead of that team that could leapfrog you, and it's not good. It's not good. So I guess you'd balance it. I mean, where where do you fall on this? If you had to pick one, would you rather gamble on the Bills getting the one seed, or would you like to see the team that can at least beat somebody who can catch us pull away from the Bills in that race? I'd like to be able to be matched up with somebody that we can beat. I don't want to be get a wild card matchup against like the Ravens or the. Well, you know, Raven, I'll take that back. Ravens because they just are decimated with injury. Yeah. Colts, <sighs> Titans, or would be two teams. At this point, I'd, the Colts might win their division. Yeah, I wouldn't want to see either, either of those teams in the playoffs because Derrick Henry was is supposed to be back for the playoffs if they get in. 
Yeah, I'm not worried about him right now. I think this this is I think the 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 jig is up down in Tennessee. Teams have figured out Julio Jones not not that impactful. <laughs> we don't need to play him the way we maybe traditionally would. Um AJ Brown, maybe his return makes some kind of a difference, but I doubt it. They're going to be a wild card team. I I just I have this feeling in my bones that the Colts are hot right now and they're going to lap them. And win that division in the, over the next three weeks. But so in that way, I'd like to see a team that could sneak in and backdoor us out of a playoff position. I, I'd like to see them take the fall. You know, the, the the first seed isn't as important to me as making the show. And if that's the thing that does it, that the Steelers finish one obscure win and a tie to the Lions out of the playoff picture, I'll take that. If the Chiefs help me get there, so be it. Texans over the Chargers. That's not going to happen. Well, I know. It sounds like a pipe dream, right? But the Lions kind of showed us this past week. A subpar team can still be dangerous in the right window and when their opponent is missing a lot of key components. You're talking about a Chargers team that's going to be missing its starting running back. It's starting center. They're going to be missing their best pass rusher. There's other there's names being added every day to this COVID list. Plus, there's injuries from last week that some players might not be available. If the Chargers go into that game under undermanned and just don't have the horses, maybe the Texans can squeak one out. I, I doubt it because David Cully, he just doesn't strike me as a great coach. He doesn't strike me as a great motivator. But again, how much money would you have lost last week if we bet paycheck for paycheck? Uh, that the, there was no way in hell that the Lions could beat the Cardinals. I would have lost a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And then the Jets over the Jaguars. Doable. It doesn't really help our postseason chances. I just think it would be fucking hilarious. <laughs> Nothing will make me happier than watching the Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence lose to Zach Wilson and the Jets. I mean, I thought I hated that team before, Chris. I think we talked about this. I have a lot of animosity towards the Jaguars franchise as a whole. This season definitely didn't do it any favors. <laughs> so that's it. Those are your Week 16 rooting interests. If, if any of you have an opinion about any of this, maybe you think my reasoning's flawed, you want to try to change my mind, at Rockpile Report on Twitter, go ahead and give us a shout. But so with that... We have to defer to the leader in the AFC East, the team the Buffalo Bills will be playing, and the team that's currently licking its wounds coming off of, a, Chris, a pretty resounding loss, I'd say. And the New England Patriots, Mr. Christian Simonelli. So, Mr. Simonelli, your Patriots lost 27-17 to the Indianapolis Colts, and you guys have been riding high for weeks. <laughs> it's... I, I'm not gonna. You're not gonna find uh, any moist eyes over here in Buffalo, New York, for the New England Patriots losing that game. How how was the reaction in the New England area? Oh, uh, you know, we're not as good as um, we thought we were. We stink. Uh, one and done. Uh, Max overrated. You know, the usual normal reaction you would have after losing the game. <laughs> Chris, seven game winning streak comes to an end. Their entire fan base turns into Drew Gear. That's hilarious. I, I'm not gonna lie to you. It, it's there. There's a certain satisfaction that I took from that game. 
I'm not going to lie to you. I won't sit here and say, oh, you know, we feel really bad that you lost that one. But I think here's the, and here's why we have you tonight. I want to, uh, for, from a fan perspective, I had to sit in the, j- just, it was a shit day. The weather sucked. And I watched the Indianapolis Colts come into Buffalo and treat us the exact same way they treated you guys. They pummeled us early. And it was just, they abused you with the run, and Carson Wentz never really had to throw the football. You would have thought when you looked at the scoreboard that Carson Wentz was setting the world on fire, and yet at the same time, he hadn't accomplished dick. And that with this game against the, the Patriots, it was that on steroids. It was like you, you have this madman at running back, and a quarterback who has, he, he's highly talented, but he doesn't have to be anything more than a game manager. He makes a few good plays here and there, a few timely, you know, I'm going to scramble for a first down when I get pressured. He does that enough. They just steamroll people. And, you know, we're getting ready to go out to dinner with uh, Chris and Jess and some uh, people who are in from out of town. And I see, you know, we're sitting at the restaurant and I'm watching the first half play out. And it's like, oh, my God, you guys got shut out in the first half. Walk me through this process. So when the game says, so first of all, I guess what I'm trying to say is I, I'm happy that somebody else got to have that experience that I had where you just get smothered by this team. And when you look at the box score, you go, how the hell did that happen? So let's talk about this from the beginning. I, you know, you guys get shut out in the first half. What's going through your head as you're watching the Patriots and how they're responding to what the Patriots are doing? I mean, what the Colts are doing. Uh, they didn't show up the first half. I mean, let, let, they slept walk through through the first half, and it was clear, um, you know, not only by just getting pushed around uh, on the ground, but the stupid penalties, turnovers, uh, and then the block punt was it for me at that point. They, um, Indy went up 14 zip. I said, that's it. Bye-bye. Game over. That was at like 8.46 uh, uh, p.m. I said, game done. That's it. It's over. It's done. Now I know that the Patriots aren't going to quit. Obviously, I watch the game till the very end because I'm a lunatic. I'll watch every game till the very end. I don't care if they're getting blown out or they're blowing somebody up. But I just knew right then and there they weren't going to show up. And what was maddening, uh, you know, like you said, um, you know, you guys lost. I think it was 41 to 15. You got blown out. You got run over. But Wentz, God bless Wentz, he did everything he could to give the game away by missing wide open guys, by throwing interception. He threw one interception, but he could have had three. Um, he was throwing the ball right at guys. He finished five for 12. 41% completion percentage. He did nothing. And that was like the most maddening thing. He's for less than uh, so, 50 yeah, total yards when you take sacks into account. We know how that feels over here when your quarterback does nothing. I mean, at least, you know, at, Mac at, least Jones. at least against us, it's one of those things where it's, <laughs> that's hilarious, Chris. At least like against us, 50% completion. I mean, he was 11 of 20 for 106 and a touchdown. But there was plays. Yeah. Like, he had two runs for 18 yards, but both of those went for first downs, and they were both terrible plays. One where our defensive end has him lined up for a sack all day long, and somehow Wentz just sidesteps him and runs away. And you go, wait a minute, mm-hmm. what the fuck? You're standing in the seats going, all right, we have a sack. Oh, God, no. And there's no there's no one there to tackle him. It's It's one of the most maddening things to see, and I'm glad that you got a taste of that. When you look at it and you go... This guy sucks. How are we losing to him? <laughs> it, it was it was maddening. Um, you know, you sit there and it's like, okay, I I have some respect for Frank Wright because I think he can coach, and, and and I have, I think probably more respect for him than uh, uh, other 
other uh, fan bases because I really think he was he was the direct architect of the the Philly team that beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So I think he can coach. I think he can scheme. I think he can you know he can he can do what needs to be done against Belichick. And and you saw that throughout this game. Like you you know Indy was blitzing really heavy the first half, and then the second half they had the lead. They laid off. They ended up rushing three or four, and it was like okay, beat us. You can't. You know, your guy's going to make a mistake. We're going to get the ball back. Uh, you know, Mac Jones did throw another pick. He threw some nice, you know, uh, balls there, including the touchdown to Hunter Henry. But, um, yeah, it was maddening. You know, I just kept looking at Wentz, and I'm like, you know, how do you, how do you lose to this guy? Like, how do you lose to this guy? It was like the same way I felt about losing to Foles in the Super Bowl. Although Foles went on the tear that year, I was still like, it's Nick Foles. You know, it's just, it was crazy. Well, so but the- at least Foles performed. Wentz did nothing. So this is one of the things that when I look at this game, and I'm looking at it from a Patriots perspective, you only allowed 49 yards, but the Colts were three for three on fourth down conversion attempts, which is huge. You know, when they wanted to go ahead and say, look, we're going to extend a drive, you can't stop us. They did it, and they got points on all three of those drives. Um, I'm looking at no Damian Harris... The end result is 81 total rushing yards, no rushing touchdowns. And I think one of the more damning things here, when you look at the game itself, Ramondre Stevenson, 10 attempts, just 36 yards, probably his worst game as a pro, where he got like, hey, you're going to be a part of this mix. And then because of game script, they just weren't throwing, they they were throwing more than they were running, which Chris underscores what we were talking about before we played him. If you could have just made them a passing team, we stood a way better chance of winning that game. Instead, you mm-hmm. allowed them to be a rushing team for four quarters, and they showed you that that's where their strength is. But Stevenson, one first down on the entire day. Now, this is the same cat who just two weeks ago, at nine missed, forced missed tackles against the Buffalo Bills. Just one first down, and then he had that fumble that I, I'm pretty sure, and what 1.7 yards after contact, a, a, a season low for him. What happened with this running back core without Damian Harris? They had a real nice one-two punch with Harris in there. Um, and, and, and now you, what you asked was you asked Stevenson, a rookie, to go up against a defense that, aside from Buckner and Leonard, they're average. I mean, they got average players, but they play together and they play really fast. And quite frankly, he had nowhere to run. They plugged up all the gaps. There was nowhere for the kid to run. And ultimately, yeah, that second half, it did become a passing game. But that first half, they weren't making any hay at all. There was one play where Isaiah Wynn whiffed on a block and then just basically tackled Stevenson in the backfield. Like, it was just a complete play blow-up. And that was the type of performance you got from the offensive line in the first half. And and, and by the second half, you know, at that point, um, you know, it was a passing game for the Patriots. Now, the magic number, you guys, going back to what you said about you know making it a passing game, the magic number this season so far to beat the Patriots is to have Mac throw the ball forty or more times. They've done that. He's done that three times, and he's lost all three games this year. Nice. So, throws forty forty or more attempts, and so, he loses. Well, and that makes sense though because he's a rookie. He's a rookie with a really right. underwhelming cast of wide receivers. He's not supposed to be good. He's not supposed to be, he's not supposed to be tearing it up. You know, Justin Herbert came in and had Keenan Allen as his number one wide receiver and Mike Williams as his number two. I would have been shocked if he had fallen on his face because that's, that's talent. 
you know, th- looking at what Mac has right now in those spots, I wouldn't be shocked that if you made him throw the ball a ton, there's not a lot of guys who can bail him out. You know, Hunter, Hunter Henry does his best, but even he's only so mm-hmm. impactful. You know, he's not a Travis Kelsey. He's a, I'd, I'd argue mm-hmm. he, Hunter Henry is closer to Dawson Knox than he is Travis Kelsey. He's, he's talented, oh, yeah. but he's also fallible and he can make mistakes. He can have miscoms. He's not the, he's not this otherworldly athlete. He's just a really solid tight end who, if you get him in the red zone, he can catch some touchdown passes for you. He can do a little bit between the twenties, but he's not a game breaker. And they don't have a single skill player like that. So instead, they thrive on their running backs kind of carrying the load. And as you saw in this one, to your point, yards before contact per attempt, Ramondre only had 1.9 yards. That's worse than Singletary or Moss had last year, Chris. And we deride our offensive line forever for that. So it's just interesting seeing how that team turned you guys one-dimensional. That ultimately is what cost you the game, and it's the thing that I wish the Bills could have done in that Monday Night Football game. We just couldn't. We just couldn't figure it out. It, it's it's crazy to me. So I'm yep. looking at this first. I got to ask you, Bill Belichick getting short with the media. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, like I, I talked about it a little bit. I think he's more of like a Greg Popovic. He's the type of guy who he's he's won enough that he no longer has to regard their feelings or thoughts. I think that's pretty true. To hear him apologize, how hot <laughs> under the collar do you think that Indy loss made him? I think he was I think he was sick to his stomach that he lost that game, and it was very clear in the post game press conference of all the years of watching him at post game pressers. That's really it's up there i mean he's had some real doozies but that was that was one where i said wow you know he is i mean if looks could kill he's got daggers in his eyes and you know it's funny i called um patriots on filter today and i asked the guys on the show i said you know what do you think was the reason behind him apologizing you know was it you know that don't be a dink you know those people are there for you every day you know virtually throughout the pandemic you know didn't deserve that and their take was no but it was more if he had a day to sit back and reflect because usually you'd go before the media on that monday morning and he had a day maybe to sit back and say you know what really wasn't fair what i did um he said you know hey listen fellas you know i want to apologize for being short with you the other day short would have been kind (laughs) he he, 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 short would have required that there was some length in his responses it was all mumbles and no's and i just said that i mean that that's what the replies were um, to the questions. So I think he was, oh man, I think he was totally, totally pissed. How and much, how much the that's... But around here has been is that he kind of was a little, uh, loose with the guys during the bye week and not having them come in. You know, he gave them a little bit of a break more oh, than no. he usually does. And the feeling around the team was that he generally felt pretty good about where they were at and he felt that they were responsible enough to be you know, that they could handle that and have the time off with it. But that just means he's going to go full gun, guns of blazing this week. Well, and, and that's it. You know, that's that's Brian, the other side Brian of this. Stone. Is It says, okay, so now he's pissed. He calmed yeah. down. But it, yeah. it's, they're, they're going to run a death camp over there this week. And <laughs> yes. so uh, before we move on and end this show, what felt worse? the loss itself, or the attrition the Patriots roster took in the process of that losing effort. You guys got beat up 
I mean, physically, they hammered you guys. And I, some of it looked dirty as hell, but I'm, I mean, again, we're talking about the Patriots here. I can't really, I'm not going to try to say, <laughs> it's one of those things. Like, you know, your guy, you, one of your guys trips somebody, they get hurt. One of a couple of your wide receivers get knocked around a little bit. It, it seems like it's, you know, six in one hand, half dozen in the other. And the other, right. But but what feels worse, the fact that you lost and that you need this next game, or the fact that you came out of it so beat up? Uh, I think coming out of it so beat up, you know, uh, guys like Aguilar and Bourne. I mean, as you mentioned, the wide wide receiver options, the passing options in particular, skill positions are not plentiful on this team. Uh, and when you lose a guy like Bourne, um, who really seemed to be coming into his own, in particular in the Cleveland game, and he's just been coming on strong. It seems like he's been getting it. Um, and, and then losing Aguilar on top of that, who actually had a pretty decent game before he got hurt, that's definitely worrisome because you need those guys down the line. I always thought this Bills game was going to be a huge game, and you you were going to need the Patriots were going to need this game no matter what. So the fact that you lost to Indy, okay, we lost them in the grand scheme of things. We, you know, we can bounce right back this week with the makeup game, but if you don't have the personnel to do it, um, you know, they're in trouble. I mean, supposedly Harris is going to come back this week. I, I, I. Can't believe that it'll be anywhere near the same game plan that it was uh, uh, last time we played <laughs> oh, you guys two weeks ago because there won't be fifty mile an hour wins. Yeah, and you know, I mean, if you know, I don't think Stefan Diggs is going to drop a pass <laughs> wide open like he did, you know, two weeks ago because the wind took the ball away from him. Um, so you know, there'll certainly be opportunities for for Allen and company to make plays. And you know, I think the one advantage that the Patriots have here is that um, Buffalo has not seen their passing game yet. This year, they've seen it on film, but they haven't seen it in person and played against it and played against the screen game, which you said is really the backbone of this passing offense is play action in the screen game. You need the Boldens, you need the Harrises, you need the Stevensons to do well in that uh, aspect of the, of, the, of, the, of the passing game in order for them to have success. The number of times I've watched, I've watched, there's a reason that I have Brandon Bolden on my fantasy team. It's because the number of times <laughs> I watched you guys complete a third and 12, a third and nine, a third and eight with a fucking screen pass to Brandon Bolden. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. He's my guy. I'm going to throw him as my running back five. Why? Because that's all he's going to do. And in a pinch, he's worse than nothing. <laughs> It's infuriating. I can't wait for this one, Christian, because this really is. It's it's Clash of the Titans. It's it's this is it. This one feels like it's for all the marbles. And for once, you guys don't have a Hall of Fame quarterback on your side. I'm interested to see if Billichek alone can pull this thing off. Where can people follow you on Twitter? Because I'm sure you're going to be a lot of fun both before and after. And I, like I said, I, you're a fun interaction to have on social media. Well, you know, as I mentioned off the top, you know, the, the sort of Patriot Nation, the feeling was we suck, back Jones sucks. So that's sort of my reaction during the game we're losing. So, yeah, give me a follow on Twitter at Chris with the T-I-A-N. I'll give you a follow back. And um, it's very entertaining. I'm not quite as entertaining as you, you know, on Twitter when you're losing. But, you know, I'm a good, I'm a good, I'm a good follow. I'm good for some fun. Scott Mason, Alfartiaga, Christian Simonelli. They are the DOA of covering... The AFC East, the DOA, Disciples of Apocalypse. What, what is it? Okay, so what kind of hackneyed wrestling production allowed that to be a group? The WWF. They were a biker gang. <sighs> Disciples of the Apocalypse. There's no the Disciples of Apocalypse. 
So it's a ripoff of the Hell's Angels. Dio, yes. A 1997 watered-down version of Hell's Angels. Jesus Christ. Were they on meth, too? Oh, it's wrestling in the late 90s. You bet they are. It's funny you say that. Remember those promos where you'd see, like, the Ultimate Warrior... Just yelling? Just screaming. So, like, he's not even making words. He's just yelling. About the gods. And there's veins popping out of his head. Yep. That's cocaine. Um, uh, Hulk Hogan, the, the superpowers. Yeah. When they're doing all their... There's no way that there wasn't just pounds of smack being passed around these things before they did these promos. There's no way. Oh, yeah. Because I feel like, like they call it breaking kayfabe. Chris, there's no way I could keep a straight face. Through any of that nonsense. Even if you were on the production crew behind the cameras, like, watching this? Chris, I I would have to leave the room multiple times. Let me listen here, brother, as you're pointing and waving your finger at the camera. And at some point, I would have to bite the back of my arm and just walk out. I'd have to bite my own arm and walk out of the room so that I didn't ruin everything. Ah, wrestling's such crap. And yet our guests are so great. And you just find new ways to... Between you and Scott, you're killing me. Well, Chris, we'll see if the Buffalo Bills can earn that top spot back. It's gonna be fun. I'll I, be I'll be there watching with you. I'm off until the new year. Hell yeah, hell yeah! I can't wait. I think it's gonna be a great time. I mean, if there was ever a time for us to make a move, it's now. And it's now or never. For this team, you know, as we talked about in our preview, this team, this coaching staff, it's now or never to prove that you actually are the team that can win this division in 2021. Put up or shut up. Let's hear it. Let's see it. I, I can't wait for it. Yeah, and uh, we're on YouTube. YouTube.com slash The Rock Pile Report if you want to subscribe. And I, then also, I love that you and I do such a bad job of promoting this. Oh, God, we're off. Self-promotion is one of those things we're not good at, mostly because we just don't care if people like. This is, this, I don't need anyone else's approval. This is also new. If you guys are listening to us on Spotify, you can now rate the podcast on Spotify. <laughs> All right. Wow. I gave us our first rating yesterday. I gave it five stars. Why? Well, because I'm you on the know, show. <laughs> I was going to say, you, my good well, looks for the visual element. Sure, a five for for the audio, the content, our personalities, our drinking habits. I'd say we're like a four and a half. Let's let's be realistic here, guys. Rate and review the show so other idiots like us can find each other and enjoy this thing together. Go check us out on YouTube and go Bills because this weekend is huge for us, guys. I'm Drew. That's Chris Kruger, and this has been your Week 16 AFC's Roundup. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.